you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for coming to the house of God on the week after Easter. Anybody can come to Easter service, right? I told Suzanne during worship in the first service, I, don't, I, I know I don't get a vote in it, but if I could uh, vote with God, I would tell him that I'd, it'd be okay with me if whenever he's ready for Jesus to come back, that he comes back on Sunday morning, the week after Easter. <laughs> for those that are waiting on him, amen? And, uh, but uh, no, on a very serious note, thank you for being here today. I believe that today is every bit as important, if not more important than last Sunday. I believe that God wants to say something to each and every one of us today, and I am honored that you are here with us. Uh, before I get in the Word, I want to share a wonderful testimony. You know, here in America, um, we have so many freedoms and liberties. It's, it's really, uh, unless you've ever traveled outside of the the borders of America, you really don't fully understand all the things that we enjoy that are just a normal part of our lives. As most of you know, I've, I've done over 160 missions trips over the last 30 years and traveled into many communist countries and, and seen and experienced what so many people go through uh, that you and I just don't even, it, it, it just never even crosses our mind. It's not a part of, of who we are or how we live or how we make decisions, but one of our amazing couples, Joshua and Angel, they are pastors uh, in Chengdu, China. They're an amazing couple, um, and uh, they came here years ago. Joshua has been with me on about 18 of my 21 trips around China and translates, and his beautiful little wife, Angel, they moved here uh, quite a few years ago and lived here for a year. We sent her to English um, school English something, ELT, I think, at University of Florida, and, and uh, Joshua uh, translated one of my books into Chinese. But uh, when they were here getting ready to leave, they uh, conceived their first child, uh, and Gabby was just a gorgeous little girl. She's a month older than my oldest granddaughter. And uh, they went home. We rejoiced with them. Uh, Gabby calls me Baba, just like my kids when I call her on the phone. She's an amazing kid. She's 11 years old. And uh, when I FaceTime her, she'll be talking to me in English, then responding to her mom in Chinese, then back to me in English. And, and when she was like five years old, she translated for me at a Starbucks in China and ordered my correct coffee. I was like, girl, Girl, you are amazing. I said, you are so much smarter than Baba. And she looked up at me and she said, no, I'm not Baba. I said, yes, you are. You speak Chinese fluently and English. I have a hard time with English. And, uh, but she's an amazing kid. And so uh, Joshua, of course, and Angel rejoiced with us as our children began to have their first ch uh, children, child, children. And, uh, and then when ours began to have their second and their third, every time Josh and Angel just would rejoice with us whenever I would be in China with them, especially in their home, you could see the longing in their eye for a second child. And as most of you know, it's illegal in China. And so uh, I have to be a little more careful in this service. So I'm not going to be able to say all the things that I did in the first service because this is being streamed. But, but they desperately wanted a second child. And they went through some processes um, to make it happen. And uh, a couple of years ago, um, after rejoicing with all of our kids over three kids, three kids, and then Luke and Ollie having their fourth, and they truly were so happy for, um, for my children. Uh, but you could tell the longing in their heart. And uh, they're just an amazing couple. So anyhow, they, they, they worked out um, what they had to do, and, um, and they conceived a second child and had a little girl, Evangeline. She's a gorgeous little thing. She was born just a couple of months before my last trip there uh, two years ago, and she's a beautiful little thing that, just like Gabby, uh, Joshua speaks to his children only in English, and Angel speaks to their children only in Chinese, and Joshua teaches them English at home. They are homeschooled in China. Everything about this story I'm telling you, uh, you just have to kind of try to figure out what I'm saying uh, because I have to be very careful, but, but it's not norm, okay? And uh, last year, Joshua called me. He said, Pastor, he said, uh, pray with us. He said, we have it in our heart. We're supposed to have another child. And I'm like, 
are you serious? And he said, yes. And so anyhow, uh, they conceived. And uh, this week, uh, they were praying, didn't know what they were going to have. In China, the dads don't get to go in the room. They don't know. They don't get to be with their wives during the pregnancy, during the delivery. And, and uh, so Joshua texted me the other morning. And actually, I texted him and asked how Angel was doing. He said, oh, she's very good. We think maybe tonight she'll make it to the hospital. And two hours later, he texted me, please pray now. Uh, uh, She's in the in the delivery room. I was like, hold it, it's just been two hours and y'all were home. And and an hour later, uh, they he texts me back and uh, they have a beautiful little boy uh, named. So there it is. Uh, there he is. And uh, beautiful little Chinese round face, gorgeous little baby. I said, so I called Josh and said, what are you going to name him? And he said, Pastor, I want to name him Joshua Jr. <laughs> what do you think? I said, hey, it's your kid. You name him whatever you want. But I think it's a great name. So this is Joshua Jr. And uh, when, when I was talking with him, the girls didn't even know that he had been born yet. It was in the middle of the night there and, uh, or that it was a boy. So they are tremendously excited. And so... Uh, I just covet your prayers over them, safety, uh, what they have to go through in having three children. Uh, you would just have to imagine. Um, you just have to imagine because everything uh, is that they're doing is in some way um, frowned upon. Can I say it that way? And so I, I do covet your prayers over them. Uh, they have such a heart for God. They're pastoring some, um, some home churches, and uh, they, they just are passionate about the things of God. And again, what we take for granted here in America, we have uh, amazing people around the world. And last weekend, literally around the world, tens of thousands of people came to Jesus Christ and surrendered their hearts to Jesus. Come on, I think we ought to put our hands together and give us. Thanks to the Father for the significance of that and the price that many of our brothers and sisters pay to serve Jesus that you and I do not have to pay uh, as American Christians. So amen to all that. All right. I want to share a word with you that Holy Spirit began to, um, this word began to stir in my heart a couple of weeks before Easter and I began to prepare it to bring today. It's a standalone message. So I'm going to try to uh, share my whole heart this morning and get through my notes. But I want to talk to us today about this uh, principle of living intentionally for God, living intentionally because the God that we serve, the God that we love uh, is a God that created everything per his purpose and plans for our life. We were not an afterthought. Uh, the things that have happened in our life have never, ever caught God, God off guard. When Adam and Eve sinned, God beforehand knew that they were going to sin and had already determined that Christ one day would come to the world and die on the cross and be resurrected from the grave so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins that we committed long after Jesus had already paid the price because God knew who you were before you were even created and formed in your mother's womb. And he knew your first sin and he knew the sins that you would commit. And he was willing to give his son intentionally to come to the world to die for you and I. It didn't just happen. And it wasn't just an accident. And Jesus didn't come to the earth and be born a, 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 a child uh, and walk through what he did uh, without the knowledge of why he had come and what his purpose would be. That is, that to me is mind-boggling. We look at the event of Christ going to the cross as though it were something that just happened. You understand Jesus had been telling his disciples for three solid years what was coming. He prophesied out of the old covenant. He read scriptures out of the old covenant to them. He let them know what was going to transpire, but they never got it. They never understood all the way up to the point of Jesus dying on the cross. The story I read to us last week out of Luke's gospel, chapter 24, when, when, when Jesus came along uh, a couple of the disciples on their way to Emmaus. You remember what they said? They said, you don't know what's happened uh, here in Jerusalem and, and begins to explain who Jesus was. And you remember what they said? They said to him, we had put our hope that he was going to establish his kingdom here in Jerusalem. They still didn't get it. He had already died, and they still were not getting it. 
So when Jesus came back and revealed himself alive, said, touch my hands, touch my side, touch my feet, and see, do you have anything that I could eat? Watch me eat. I'm going to take and partake. You saw me die. You saw them put me in a grave, and now here I am, the resurrected one. And as I said last week, the only difference between Christ and every other proclaimed God on the history of the, of the world is Jesus came back out of the grave. Amen? And because of him, the power of the resurrected Christ lives in every one of us as believers. We have not only a right to receive the Holy Spirit, we have a necessity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because if not, we're going to just try to live for Jesus out of our emotions, and our emotions will let you down every time. Every time. I've jokingly shared how, and it's not a joke, but, but I've shared how as a young boy, uh, if, I, if I was in church, I was moved by the presence of God. I got saved at least 75, maybe 77 times in my childhood. Man, if I sat under the preachings of God's word, I love God, but I just couldn't live for him Monday through Saturday because I had no Holy Spirit. The church I was raised in, it was God the Father and God the Son. They wouldn't even say God the Spirit. I mean, there was, there was no room for the Holy Spirit. There was no place for the Holy Spirit. So we tried to live for God out of our goodness. And how many of you know your goodness pretty much isn't very good? Amen? And, and, and your emotions aren't, aren't strong enough to get you from Sunday to Sunday. Most of our, our emotions won't get us from Sunday to Monday, much less Sunday to the next Sunday. We need the Holy Spirit. And he was given... Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and when he did on that hill that last day, there were, the history tells us uh, that there were 500 people looking at Jesus when God allowed him to depart gravity, to defy gravity, and to ascend into the presence of God Almighty. And in his going, this is what he said, go and wait. Go and tarry. Go, go to the place until the Father sends the promised one. And when the promised one comes, you won't have to be asking, how do we know when he gets here? He's going to show up. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be holy, the Holy Spirit of God. His presence is going to uh, come upon you, and his power is going to fill you, and your life is going to forever be changed. And all you got to do is read the book of Acts to see the difference between 12 men who walked with Jesus, saw all the miracles, lame people walk, deaf people hear, blind people see, dead people raised, hungry people fed, and yet they couldn't make it. From Sunday night to Monday morning until they received the Holy Spirit. And once they received the Holy Spirit, man, Peter stood up, took both feet out of his mouth, and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people were saved in the first message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. The power of Christ living in us. The resurrection. You see, that same Holy Spirit is who raised Jesus from the dead. And that same Holy Spirit is the one who lives in you and I. Not every week on Sunday. He doesn't show up to visit. He didn't come just as a visitor in your life. He came as a habitation of the Father to live and to reside in you and I. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit of God. We need the power of the Spirit living in us. Why? Because God loved us intentionally. Now he wants us to get beyond our emotions and live for him intentionally. So I'm going to preach a message for the next few moments in the first service. It just got quieter and quieter. I was like, man, is this just a bomb or what? But the reality is it's a strong word because it has to do with us making a decision that we're going to live for God, not just with our emotions, but, but, but I'm making a choice, man. My soul longs for God. My emotions doesn't long for God. My soul longs for God. My, my spirit man cries out. Man, I, there, there's a desire within me. When my mind is full of the word of God, guess what? My, my whole being just wants to be in the presence of the living God. Which is why, as believers, if you're ever going to live intentionally, one of the first things you're going to do, and I think I'm going to come back and teach on this next week, is we got to find out what to do with our mind. Yes, our heart got saved. We gave our heart to Jesus. Some in here this morning, last Sunday, said, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. Jesus is glad to be your Savior, but he also is your Lord. Yeah. And to be your Lord is going to require something of you. It's going to require you getting your mind full of the Word of God. So that your decisions for God is based 
on God's word and not on your emotion from day to day or week to week or every wind of doctrine that comes floating along. We got to have the word of God in us because without the word, we're going to be moved and shaken by everything that's happening in our world. We're going to be more... (laughs) One of our new couples, they've been coming for several months. They're actually graduating um, growth track this morning. And he jumped up during the, uh, our uh, um, lounge time between services. Never know what to call that. Uh, anyhow, we, we provide meals for everybody that serves every Sunday. And so uh, those that are going through growth track are invited to come and have breakfast with the team back there. And so about 100 people back there being served, eating. And I walked up to their table, and uh, he jumped up, and he said, Pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he, he's just been so grateful since God brought him and his wife here. He said, I'll never forget the day you and your wife moved here, the first ad in the paper. I watched y'all for 31 years. Scared to death about coming, and finally, about three months ago, they walked through this door. They have not missed a service or graduating growth track, but he, he told me this morning, he said, man, I am so thankful for the word that's gotten into me since I started coming here. He said, in my job, it's very tedious. I work with my hands, and I'm sitting there every day, and he's telling me what he did, and, and he said, but since I started coming here, I turned off Fox News, and I started listening to the word of God on version. and he said, it's changing my life. He said, all of a sudden, Mom, I'm thinking different. I'm responding different. I'm acting different. What's the difference? I'm telling you, the difference is Fox News will let you down. The Word of God will never let you down. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The Word of God will never let you down. The Word of God will build you up, edify you, equip you, convict you, and change you. And it will enable you to start getting up and going, what, what does God have for my life today? Not just in general, but today. What is God's plans for my life today? So Easter weekend's come and gone. The stores have emptied out of all of their chocolate bunnies and all of their different chocolates. And, 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 and yet the power of the resurrected Christ is as powerful today, if not more, than it was last week. He's taken us from glory to glory. And so today, I want to share this biblical truth on living intentionally, finding out how do I get this word uh, intentionally. You see, too many people want to try to live for God just by... Whatever happens, happens. I just, I just want the, oh, I love the Holy Spirit. I just want the Holy Spirit to do it. Listen, Holy Spirit's come to teach you as you get in the Word of God. He's going to teach you how to understand the Word of God. Come on, somebody. He's not going to just open up your brain and all of a sudden you come to church dumb and you leave smart. <laughs> No, no, we got to train ourselves. We got to get in the word of God. We, we find out, man, what we do when, when, when sin tries to overtake us and, and when my emotions are all out of whack because I've just sinned and sinned and sinned this week and, and I feel all condemned. I'm like, my gosh, I, I, I don't even want to go to church. I feel condemnation. Well, well, when you understand the word of God, you find out there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, who live by the spirit and not after the flesh. See, that's in the Word of God. When you find that out, guess what? What you're going to do is you're going to stop wanting to sin a lot every day. If you don't like the, the, the pain of condemnation, if you feel condemnation, even right here, right now, listen, it's not Holy Spirit. It's not God. It's not Jesus. If you feel condemnation, it's your own heart condemning you. See, the same tempter that comes and tries to get you to do wicked and evil the minute you give into it is the same one who comes back and now is the accuser of the brethren. See, when you know that, you just start laughing in the devil's face. Does that mean, Pastor, I'm never going to sin again? No, unfortunately not. Not until Jesus comes back or you depart through the door of death into his presence. You live in a body. You, live, you got flesh, man. This is a real world. Sometimes it's just difficult and hard. And sometimes you spirit-filled believers, you, we spirit-filled believers, we mess up. But guess what? When we mess up, we got a, we got a lawyer standing, standing, ready to go to court on our behalf. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit begins to convict us. We realize that. We confess that sin. And the minute you confess it, come on, somebody. The minute you confess it, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You don't have to wait till next Sunday, just as I am, has been sung 31 times. And all of a sudden, you're finally emotionally moved. No, no. Whenever you sin as a believer, Holy Spirit-filled believer, hear me. The minute you sin is when conviction's coming. Three days later, condemnation set in. That's because you didn't do anything with the conviction. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. I'm using that from Pastor Ron. 
Because it's the truth. Man, it, it, when I got unconfessed sin in my life, things aren't right at home. My wife just ain't right when I got sin in my life. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Worship ain't the same. Prayer's not the same. The word's not the same. But Holy Spirit loves you so much, man. He just continually speaks, brings that loving conviction. And eventually you're going to go, you know, you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit go, is this really what you want? No, I'm miserable. Then just get it right. And when you confess, immediately upon confessing, the Lord cleanses you. Sin is tossed as far as the east is from the west. Now, guess what? Whew, I'm at liberty to love my wife right, love God right, love the word right, love worship. Man, isn't it amazing when you come to the house of God and you got some messed up junk in your life? This is what you look like during worship. Hands go in your pocket. You're miserable, heads down, shifting from foot to foot, running out to the mission, running back out to the mission, running to the bathroom, back to the mission. Why? Because the last place you want to be is where the presence of God is. Am I speaking the truth this morning? But oh man, get that heart right. Just say, God, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. This, this, I have believed a lie this week, and man, it has messed me up. Will you forgive me? And immediately you are forgiven. And immediately his presence fills you and comforts you and helps you. And all of a sudden you can come back to that place so that God loved you intentionally. Now you're coming back to, I'm loving God intentionally. I'm not going to depend upon my emotions or my flesh. I'm choosing. My soul's crying out. My spirit man's crying out. My mind's getting full of the word, full of his presence, full of worship. And all of a sudden, things begin to change in your life. And you go from somebody who just goes, you know what? I'm just going to take life as it comes. Some believers think that that's super spiritual. When it's not. God created you with purpose. And as much as everything about God is a God of order, he wants your life to not only be in order, he wants you to begin to function in the order in which he has established for you. Yesterday morning, I was on the coast. I went off for a couple of days to study and pray and rest. And, and uh, so I woke up on the coast yesterday morning and uh, I woke up really early about 530 because my wife was stirring around the bedroom. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, well, I wanted to see the sunrise. And, and, and she said, I think we missed it. I looked at my watch. It's like, baby, it's 530. The sun's not even up yet. You got to go. You got to go back to bed. She said, no, I'm up now. I'm, I'm ready. And so she said, well, maybe there's cloud cover. I looked out. I opened the blinds and there's the ocean. I'm like, baby, there's no clouds within a thousand miles. The, the sun will let you know when it's coming up. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I pull up my, my, my app on my iPhone, my weather channel. And sure enough, sunrise is 546. It's 531. I said, baby, you got 15 minutes. Closed my eyes, you know, tried to get another little snoozer. But all of a sudden, when I realized the sun's about to come up, I got up, went out into the family room. I opened up all the blinds in this beach house we were staying in, and it was breathtaking. It was gorgeous. And it was God crying out, look at my glory. Look at my creation. Man, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm waiting. It, there's like an orange glow all the way across the, 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 the water. And I'm, I'm standing up on this uh, back porch and I'm looking out over the dock and I'm looking at the sun. And the sun's not coming up yet, but its glow already is. The goodness of God, the glory of God. How in the world do you look at a sunrise and go, there is no God? I don't get it. How do you watch a child be born and go, there is no God? I don't get it. What kind of lie do you have to try to convince yourself? God is there in all of the fullness of his glory, and he's wanting to touch your life. And every day as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, God wants to show you he's a God of order. He's a God of pattern. He has a plan. And as much as that's going to happen, he also has a plan for your life. And you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. He actually has something for you to do and accomplish in your lifetime. 
Imagine, man, never knowing God, and then all of a sudden God reveals his love, and you surrender to Jesus Christ, and Jesus comes into your heart. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you wake up and go, you know what? I'm not just an accident waiting for something bad to happen. God actually has a plan for my life. You get in the Word. The Word begins to get in you. It begins to change your mindset, and all of a sudden you get up as a person of purpose, and you go, wow, wonder what God has for me today to do. Wonder what God has in my lifetime to do. You know, God, God has something amazing for you to walk out and live out. And the enemy will do everything he can to try to convince you he doesn't and he doesn't care. He cares. And he has a plan for your life. I want to share a couple of scriptures, three scriptures actually real quick. And then I want to share just a couple of thoughts. So I'm going to wrap this up. Everything Father did for us was with a purpose in mind. Again, I want you to keep this in, the, in your mind. Nothing was an afterthought. All of God's plans for our life were for a reason and a purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, three verses here, verse 20 through verse 22. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a, as a guarantee. For all the promises of God, listen to me, church, are yes and amen. Everything that God has declared over your life is a yes and amen. It's not a maybe. It is for his plan, his purpose. And if you're willing to walk it out, if you're willing to pay the price, if you're willing to pray, if you're willing to get in his word, if you're willing to worship him every day and make place in your heart for God to be God in your life, God's going to reveal something to you that's going to be breathtaking and a wow. And it's going to require something called faith, and I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. So all the gifts of God are given to us as a promise, and they are yes and amen in your life. And as a believer, I don't care where you are on your journey, how long you've been saved or how little bit, you need to get a hold of this promise. All the promises of God are yes and amen, period. Settle that thing. Not a maybe, not, not based on how I feel about it, not based on my emotions. No, no, no. It is a Stand still, see what I will do. It's a definite amen and amen. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, how many of you remember that place in your life? For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, listen to this, Christ died for me, for us. Christ died for us. Why? When, when we were good, when we were coming to church, when we were trying to stop doing all the bad stuff. No, no, no. In the midst of your sin, in the wretchedness of your heart, God loved you so much, Jesus was willing to go to the cross and die. In every Easter service, when you hear any preacher read the story that I read last week, when it gets to that point where Jesus is hanging on the cross and it says that the father turned his face away from Christ and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that moment that Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself and God could not look at that sin, so he turned his head. And it, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, died on that cross, his blood shed. So you and I could be cleansed, become sons and daughters, no longer servants, no longer slaves, but now sons and daughters. That's why you get up in the morning, you get personal with God. I talk to him all the time as father, father, God, Abba, daddy, man, I love, I, I, I don't call him. I, I don't try to be the Hebrew thing and call him Yahweh and get into all the name. Man, he's my daddy. And he's daddy more than enough. He's father more than enough. He's the one that is the all I am, the great I am. Everything that's ever been done for me that's good comes from him. Comes from him. There's nobody else that you can say, wow, look what so-and-so did for me that can stand even remotely near. Look what my God has done for me. In your sin, Jesus intentionally went to the tree to die. So that you could live again and know the Father. Man, that's powerful. All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. 
Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments. I love this. Listen to this. Look at this. And his commandments are not burdensome. Man, living for God. Don't walk around and go, yeah, woe is me to all your unsaved friends. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to live for God. Stop trying and live. Stop trying. Trying is burdensome, but when you live for God, surrender to God, everything is his, man. You recognize that anything good in you came from him anyhow. He, he, he is all in all for you. And you say, Lord, I surrender. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to be your savior. He died to be your Lord. And when he's your Lord, then you just surrender all and say, Father, yes. Whatever you're requiring of me, the answer before I even know what the question is, is yes. We're living in a day and time, 2019. It's the decade of your opinion. <laughs> your opinion. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. And if you don't think I'm speaking the truth, just get on the internet for a couple of moments. Every article, every blog, every political thing, everybody's got an opinion. And, and can I tell you, we're living in a scary, mean world. Man, the other day somebody told me about something, so I looked at it, and I, I like 20 seconds on it, and, I'm, and there's like the first 10 opinions are those blankety-blank, F-bombing this, you know. They're, they're just a bunch of stupid idiots anyhow. And, and I'm thinking... When in the world does your opinion make you so angry that everybody else doesn't think like you that you're going to just drop it all on them like they're just the most ignorant people in the world? Can I tell you something? If you have a temptation to get on and start giving your opinions to everybody about everything, stop. You are wasting your breath. Nobody knows who you are. And if they do, they just cuss you out anyhow. I mean, seriously, stop wasting your time. Don't be right. No, on, just don't, you just don't need to do it. Does it make you feel good? Then you need to find something else to make you feel good. You need to go give somebody thirsty a bottle of water. You need to find somebody hungry and feed them. You need to go to the hospital and visit some families that are hurting. The other day I had a divine appointment uh, with this young lady and, and she had told me, uh, I was telling her about a, a shoulder issue that I'd been having and just working through some things. And she said, oh yeah, I understand. She said, I broke my femur when I was seven years old. And so of course, you know me, I'm going to ask, well, how'd you do that, right? Would you not ask that same question? Am I the only one that I, so I said, well, wow, you were how old, seven, how, how'd that happen? And, and all of a sudden she just it just like within seconds, I'm sitting here listening to this story, and I'm literally fighting just to keep from weeping. And she says, oh, yeah, I was in a car accident. It was fatal for some people in the car. And then she starts telling me her story. She said, I have four sisters, siblings, and I have one brother, six kids. And all the girls were in the car with my mom, and my dad had taken our brother, our oldest brother, to school. And he was coming home, and my mom was leaving, and they were both driving too fast, and my mom cut a corner, and my dad and mom collided head on. And my twin sister was killed. And two months later, my mom died. Oh my gosh, you could have picked me up off the floor with a, with, with a, you know, a, a scoop or something. I mean, I was like so overwhelmed with this poor child and what she went through. And I just, I asked her, I said, how did you make it? How, how, how have you gotten to this place where, where, where you're 30 years old now? And what, what, what did, you know, what tool did you use to get there? And she said, oh, she said, you know, my daddy wasn't a Christian man. And so he didn't know what to do. He was, he was in his own pain. And she said, but some little Christian lady, little old lady, would come over and pick all of us kids up, and she'd take us out to our ranch, her ranch, and she would just love on us and love on us and tell, talk to us about why bad things happen to good people and, and how do you deal with this pain and all of this. And she said, had it not been for this precious little lady, she said, I don't know where any of us would be today. 
And I just said, can I pray for you? And I mean, you know, I, I didn't go into this meeting thinking, you know, this is a ministry opportunity. But all of a sudden, man, hurting people. And guess what? They don't need. They don't need your opinion about why their parents had a wreck. They need comfort. And to be honest, he comforted me by, by, by the simplicity of what I felt like God had done in her life. I mean, how do you survive that kind of pain? How do you bury a child without knowing God? How, what, what do you do at death when, when you have convinced yourself that there is no God? The reality is God intentionally gave his son Jesus to die for us. And then when he began to reveal his love to us, he wants us to begin to live with him, for him, by faith, and walk out whatever it is that he has called for us to do with our lives in our lifetime. I want to share five things real quick with you about living intentionally. And they come out of some of these little statements I'm going to make. The first one is this, is to never forget that God loved you first. And because God loved you, man, his grace was beyond measure. His mercy extends throughout all generations his goodness is overwhelming he loves you and he loved you first and because of it guess what you can love back you can not only love God back but all of a sudden you can begin to love the world and not just the good people in the world you can love everybody that God brings into your with with an intentionality that goes you know what God did for me when I wasn't worthy what can I do for somebody else who else can I touch? Who else can I impact their life with the goodness of what God, what God did for me? How can I give that to someone else and to love them? We love God with all of our hearts. But hear me, we do not love God just with our emotions. And we cannot depend upon our That's why there's so many empty chairs today in this house. It's because too many people in America try to live for God out of their emotions. And when their emotions are up, oh, it's Easter. They're going to run to church. But then when their emotions go down, oh, it's Easter. And, and, and they're moved. I mean, I, mean I, I grew up as a child. I, there, was, there were parts of me that loved God so passionately. At age eight, I surrendered to Jesus. At age eight, at age eight I knew the call of God in my life. But I'm telling you, from eight to 18... My life was up and down, up and down, because I had no word in me. I had no Holy Spirit in me. I had no power in me. So I could only live for God out of my emotions. It was so good that I made a habit of going to church, even as a sinner. Because it was in those times when, when man, I would know God loved me again. I'd run back to an altar, and I'd ask God to forgive me again, and he would forgive me again. Can I tell you, it's a safe place to be in the house of God where the word of God's being preached. Because his love will keep you. Even when you are going through difficult times. Your journey, your path has brought you to a place of trials and struggles. And coming sometimes to wonder what you even believe. And does God even really exist? Can I tell you something? God's never afraid of any of your questions. God's not sitting up on the throne going, oh, oh no. I think this one might have a question I can't answer. He's God. And he loves you. And he is gracious with your questions. He's merciful. When, when, when you cry out, I'm mad at you, God. God's, God's even okay when you're mad at him. There have been times I've been mad at God. Anybody besides me been mad at him? Am I just preaching to me this morning? I mean, things happen and you go, why, God, why? Why'd that happen? Why'd you let, why'd you let that happen? Because he gave you a free will. That's why bad things happen. Because he didn't create us to be robots. We have a will and a choice. Number two, God intentionally gave us his son. And we, when we make that statement of faith and that, and that declaration and in inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life, He's wanting your whole life. I, I, I want to take a moment. I want to make sure you get this. He wants your whole life. He doesn't want your Sunday morning 1110 to 1215 life. He wants your whole life. And you know what? He gives you his best. Not back. He gives you his best first. And then we give him our life. 
And our life brings us to the place where we're stepping out in faith going, God, what is it that you have for me to do? Can a nation be saved in a day? Can a city be reached in a week? Well, not if we don't do anything. But if all of a sudden a whole church full of people get a vision for how do we touch our city this summer? How do we go out as a group of people and love our, and love our city and, and touch lives and, and, and meet needs and, and, and rebuild somebody's house and, and help some public school uh, be touched by the goodness of God people? And, and how do we find thirsty people and hungry people? How do, we, how do we go to the prisons? How do we go to the hospitals? How can we touch a city in a week? You do it. Because God puts it in our heart to do it. He opens doors for us to do it. And then you step out. How can a nation be saved in a week? 5,000 people stir themselves to pay a lot of money and fly from one nation to another nation. 75 of us from the Rock of Gainesville going to Peora, Peru for 10 days. What are we going to do? We're going to do the same thing that the church in Gainesville is doing here. We're, we're going we're gonna to give water to thirsty people. As a matter of fact, we're going we're gonna to create eight uh, living water wells to help people that have unclean water get clean water. We're going we're gonna to provide thousands of pairs of shoes to little kids who go around barefooted all the time. We're, we're going we're gonna to help rebuild some houses. We're going to visit hospitals and orphanages and schools with the love of God. We're going, to, we're going to provide care. And then we're going to make an opportunity for them to come to a great event where they're going to get to hear great, awesome music, worship that's going to blow their minds away, and the gospel of Jesus Christ presented. And they get a choice, God or the God that they've been living in. How can a nation be saved in a day? It can't unless the people are willing to get up and go. How can a city be reached in a week? It can't unless we're willing to get up out of our seats and go, why, why did God save me? Just to go to church on Sunday morning, do my little click thing, get my little pat on the back, clock in? No. He saved us so that we could go into our community, our world, with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, intentionally giving God our best back. Number three, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you walk out of here with anything today, I hope you walk out of here with this. If you're confused, even in the smallest amount, that, that, that there's really, you have not found a purpose for your life, God wants to reveal it to you. You are not an accident. And no matter what you come out of, what your past is, what your skin color is, what your education is or lack of education, what you're finding, none of that has anything to do with your destiny and your future if you can ever get a hold of the Word of God and say, God, why and what is my purpose in this life? He'll reveal it. And your past becomes your past and your future is the destiny that, hear me, requires faith. It requires faith. I preached a few months ago a faith message, and I talked to us about this one simple thing. If you've been walking with the Lord so long that in 2019 you're sitting here today, and when you got up this morning and you considered and thought about what your needs were today, you had none. You have no needs. Your belly's full. Slept in a great bed last night under a roof, had air conditioned. Got, got your needs met. Your utility bills paid. Everything's good. And nothing Nothing that you're going to do today requires faith. You have entered into a dangerous place. See, our life, we're to be faith people. Faith people requires us to step out and do something out of the, out of the normal to accomplish what God wants to do in the supernatural. And he's looking for you and I to do it. Jesus is not coming back. Holy Spirit's in us. Holy Spirit's not running around like a cloud. You know, just looking to zap people. Holy Spirit's in us, strengthening us, enabling us to step out and do something by faith. Touch someone's life. Have an opportunity that when God opens a door, you're saying, man, I don't know, I don't know how, but I'm going to step out here. And I'm going to love. I'm going to share. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to give a drink of water. I'm going to give a meal. I'm going to do a visit. I'm going to be, I'm going to be crying the whole way. God, help me. I can't do this without faith. And God's saying, that's what I've been looking for. Something that requires faith in your life. Number four, God gave us his word to lead us and establish us. And you're never going to do these other things that I said unless every single day the word of God becomes a part of your daily habit. Got to close. I'm already five minutes overdue, but hear me. The Word of God has to be your daily habit. Every morning, open up the Word of God. 
You, can, you have no excuse today, man. You can drive to work. You can put the Word of God on in your shower. They make little tiny stereos like this. You just hang them in there, and you turn the version on. And while you're in there scrubbing off the, the, the night's waste, man, you got the Word of God filling your heart, filling your mind. Get in the car. You listen to the Word of God. Get in a quiet place. Read the Word of God. Get the Word in you because without the Word, you're just going to try to live for God out of your emotions. And they're like this. I'm preaching the truth because I came out of that. I tried to live for God for so many years of my life out of my emotions, and you just can't do it. Every day, I'm going to read the Word. Every day, I'm going to worship God. Every day, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to learn that I can't do anything on my own. I need to pray. And if you'll do that, you'll find the strength that number five gives you, and that is God gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, lead us, help us, teach us all that we need to do to walk in the victory that He desires for us to walk in. Listen, church, we're called, we're called to live intentionally. We serve intentionally. We honor intentionally. We sow finances intentionally. Give intentionally. Fellowship intentionally. And love intentionally. We do. You'll look back in a few days, a few months, a few years, and you'll look back and go, wow, look what the Lord has done in my life. I, I want to not give the God who gave me his best. I don't want to give him my leftovers. I don't want to just give him what's left. I want to give him my best. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you so much for the promise of your word, which is yes and amen. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Father, that all the things that you did and accomplished for us, Lord, was out of, out of a heart for your children. You did it intentionally. You did it with purpose. And Lord, so have you saved us, and so do you desire today for us now to begin to be your hands and mouth, your feet on the earth, to go into all the world intentionally with your gospel and that gospel might be given with a bottle of water with a meal with a handshake with a prayer with a helping hand help us as the church help us not to allow our emotions to be the source of our strength but as we surrender to you heart, soul, mind, and body completely. We begin to get up and say, God, Father, what do you have for me today? What do you have for my life this week, for this month, for this year, for my family? God, help us as families, help us as dads to lead our families righteously, to lead them intentionally into the promise that you have for us. I give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name. Believers, would you pray for just a moment? Would you remain with your heads bowed, your eyes closed for just one moment? Because I just want to speak to anyone in this room this morning that you do not know God today as your Father. You do not, you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Man, the Lord has been knocking at your heart's door, and, 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 he's, just, and he's just so desired that you would open up your heart and invite Him into your life. You see, God's done everything He can ever do for you. He's made every choice that he can make to get you to this point, but he cannot make the choice that you choose him and surrender your life. That is a choice that only you can make. You will not make it to heaven because your mama, your granddaddy, or some preacher, you'll get to heaven because you chose God through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit to be Lord of your life. Maybe you're watching online today and you're in that place, and I cannot see you if you respond, but the Lord will see you. And I just want to encourage you right now. In the hearing of this word, man, there is something stirring in your heart and your soul. And you know that you're at that crossroads in your life. Choose God. Choose his plan for your life. Choose his forgiveness over all your sin. Choose his love for you over any love that you can find in this world. Choose the better the best over what the world has to offer. Today, I invite you, choose God. If that's you and you'll allow me in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to lift up your hand so that I can recognize it and lead you in a simple prayer. I'll lead you in a simple prayer that will eternally change your life. 
because it'll set you on the path of salvation. Jesus loves you. Will you choose him as he's chosen you? If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand and hold it until I can see it and recognize it so I need you in this prayer this morning. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. God's got you here for such a time as this. And today you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand quickly right where you're sitting? It's the most, one of the most difficult decisions you ever make in your life. But it's a decision you have to make. Because in not making it, you're saying, I'm choosing my own life. God loves you. Today, would you like to respond to him? One more moment. If that's you, just lift it up. Let me pray for you. All right. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I thank you so much for your love. And I pray, Father, for anybody watching online and for anybody seeing this room that they are at that crossroad, just like that young man was last week who shared with me afterwards that he wanted so desperately. But it was just such a difficult decision. You're on a path. You're on a journey. God loves you. His mercy is everlasting. And I'm going to pray for you today. If, if you're in that place where you, 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 you are so wanting and yet... Everything is coming against you. The works of darkness, the enemy, the accuser of the brother would like nothing more than to keep you from ever choosing God. Just trying to be a good person, being good, will not make you right with Father. Only Jesus Christ can pay that price. So I pray over you today. I pray over you that are watching online today. Father, show your great love to every one of us. And over the church this morning, I pray over us that we will get up in a moment and walk out of this place full of, 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 of righteous intentionality, Lord, to go and to do the will of the Father here on the face of the earth. As long as we have breath to breathe and life, Father, we have your purpose and your plan. Help us, I pray today, to go into our world, into our community, into our Jerusalem with the good news of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and praise for that. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.